This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. The next Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. We're back. We're back. It was a good week off. Man. <laughs> so, I, I got a million questions about the Bay Area and the opening. That just sounds like a blast. Big news of the week, though. This comes off hot off the presses yesterday. Yeah. Perfect Did, time to record. Yeah. Yeah. You can never have enough corners. No. <laughs> no. You could never have especially enough six foot two. 190-ish, 195-pound, maybe 200 corners. I mean, that those definitely don't grow on trees. Uh, you know, Chris Steele, what a, you know, here we are. You know, we've been gloating about the 2019 class for Mario Cristobal in Oregon, and it was a great class. I mean, it was a, and then you just go and throw. It's like it, like I want to say a cherry on top, but it's like that's not doing it justice. I mean, it's way more than a cherry. Right, right. Like I know you're plugged in with that staff. I bet you your phone just blew up. People going nuts. People celebrating. This is a coup for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, here, yeah, it is. First off, let's let's peel this back to the first layer. Chris Steele is a tremendous player. Uh, you know, he went to St. John Bosco down there, a, a powerhouse. I mean, it just helps further, you know, cement your status with that school. Uh, you know, he f- helps fill a position, a need, and people probably look at that and think, mm, "What are you talking about? We, you know, we got Thomas Graham back there, Diamondo Lenore. Yeah, you do, but for how long? Right? I mean, are they here for? Is this the last ride for them? Are they? You know, is there? You know, will they be here for two years? You don't really know. And you know, for Mario Cristobal, you don't want to be left getting to that point in December or January, or whenever those guys decide if they're going to come back to school or 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 go to the NFL and think, "Oh crap." I got to find another corner, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's kind of and that's a really interesting dynamic is that, you know, recruiting is really kind of taking a turn, a turn where you're, you know, especially with the way this 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 roster was left for Mario Cristobal, there was not much depth at any position. So instead of being able to recruit two years out, you know, you haven't been, or, or you know, just a year out, uh-huh. you haven't been able to do that. You used to be able to do, OK, we've got, you know, three linebackers leaving in this year let's go get three more linebackers and and keep plugging them in and pushing them up well there was no depth there so you were having to go two years out so this to me the chris deal is a two-year out deal you know yeah maybe he doesn't start this year maybe that's but i guarantee he plays this year and more importantly he has a year to learn and grow and develop and then you know worst case scenario if if, if graham and lenore leave you got Chris Steele coming in with a year seasoned under his belt, along with Mikel Wright. You're in a damn fine position instead of going, "Oh man, we need a dude tomorrow," right? And not having one. So I just, um, it's just, it's it's tremendous. And, and you know, one of the things we'll get into, and I, well, I guess, should we even mention who the guest is today? I mean, <laughs> I, I think you tweeted it out, but I mean, here we are talking about Chris Steele and. We're going to have him on the show here probably in just about five or ten minutes. We're just killing time till the star of the show pops on. I, I can't wait, man. I got uh, I I don't want to beat a dead horse with this kid. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to get into the drama right. in, in his last spot. Right. But I think out of all that that happened, and I want your take on this, I think 
he comes out of this looking like a really good dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you you definitely don't question this character uh, leading up to this. You know, here's a young man that identified a problem and tried to notify somebody in charge of it and said, "Hey, look, you know, here's here's a here's a problem. I'm not trying to, you know, cause a ruckus. Just find me another room to sleep in at night. You yeah, know? I, I just need to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, oh, you know." And unfortunately, it kind of got shuffled under, and, and uh, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for it. I'm sure it was one of the you know 20 different things that Dan Mullen had on his plate at one time and maybe just didn't take it as seriously as he should have, obviously. And I'm not condemning condemning him for it, but uh, you know, obviously it became a bigger problem that just went unnoticed. And so, like you said, uh, you, you identify that with Chris Steele that he clearly knew there was a problem, and all he was looking for was a, a quick solution. Hey... You know, I'm not like leaving here or anything, but just get me somewhere else where I feel a little more comfortable. Um, you know, he decides to transfer. I, I, I totally get it. You know, it's already hard enough to be 3,000 miles away from your family, from your home, from your friends. You're in an area that you probably know very few people outside of the football program. Um, you know, and it's not anything to do with Chris Deal. I think it just was a, a, a bad situation. And, and this is probably one of the few times, I will say this, one of the few times I think this transfer makes sense. This mm-hmm. was, I mean, I think it was great for him. Yeah. You know, it, I think for him to get somewhere closer out West was probably a great idea. Um, you know, it's not to say that he couldn't gone to an LSU or an Alabama if he wanted to. He could have, you know, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, everybody started coming after him when his name hit the portal. Um, but, but you get back to, to, you know, to somewhere that you're a little more comfortable with. Um, he'll be at Oregon. He knows a ton of the team already without even stepping foot on campus. Josh Delgado. I mean, he got so much reaction from players, uh, you know, on Twitter, Mikhail Wright, everybody, Hey, let's get to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that says a lot to me that, that, you know, I think for Chris Deal that really reinforces, Hey, I'm going somewhere I'm needed. I'm going somewhere. I've got guys that have my back, you know, really putting that situation behind him. Um, and I think more importantly, Dante Williams is a coach that he's had a really good relationship with for a long time. And I think now you probably, you know, looking for that comfort factor or that, you know, just somebody that's going to have your back. I think coach Williams does that. He does a tremendous job relating to his younger players. Yeah. The two takeaways I have coming out of this one is coach Williams and that staff. Mm -hmm. You talk all the time about, Hey, you might not get every player you target, Right. The Ducks targeted Chris Steele. They didn't get Chris Steele initially. Um, maybe this is an example of that hard work paying off. Yeah. You never know where it leads, and you never know what's going to happen at the end of that road. They end up with Chris Steele anyway. The second thought there, in the Northwest, we're, we're so sensitive, I think, to our we, we want our programs to be clean mm-hmm. and and this is something that like duck fans will, will look at uh beaver fans will look at i think about brenda tracy is a great example sure. and the mission that she works in, in the northwest it's safe to say that something that his florida roommate was accused of and, and the situation that they put him in probably wouldn't happen here yeah, more than likely. I mean, you would obviously you would hope not, but uh, you know, so far from what we've seen under Mario Cristobal's watch has been, you know, fairly clean program. It, you know, there's you know probably been some smaller slip ups along the way, but nothing, you know, nothing grandeur. And and uh, it, do, it doesn't mean that it can't happen because obviously you can't be ev- everywhere all the time. But what it speaks to, and I think where you were kind of going with it, is the culture that Mario Cristobal fosters yeah at Oregon I mean not only is it him and his coaches trying to watch 
the players. It's the players looking out for each other. They have to. Yeah, have to because they're the ones that on a Saturday night, you know, choose to go to Taylor's or not or, you know, to this party or whatever. And you, as a coach, you can't just go follow them around. You've got to know, hey, look, guys, if you see one of your teammates making the wrong choice, you know, slap them in the back of the head and say, hey, let's go. You know, and I think that's an important thing. It doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that, that, that Oregon's created this perfect bubble and there will be no incidents ever. Of course, that's not the case. But, you know, so far it's been a pretty smooth road for Mario Cristobal. And I think that factor alone made a huge impact on Chris Steele. I'm sure he'll tell us if it did or not. But I think that, because really at the end of the day, I would imagine USC was the main competition here. And it's not to pick on... Really? I, well, I mean, you, you, yeah. I mean, you, wow. His, in the end, I believe his parents were were wanting him closer to home. Now, whether that meant right in the backyard of L.A., uh-huh. you know, or Oregon, you know, Eugene's just a two-hour flight away. That's not a big deal. You know, he can get home. Parents can get up there and see him. You know, that's manageable. Um, as far as you know, USC, I think what steers recruits away, including perhaps Chris Steele, is the fact that. There's a damn hot seat down there. I, well, I was just going to say, like, does Clay Helton need to switch deodorant or, yeah. or try a new toothpaste or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do they keep losing kids? Well, I mean, you know, I know we'll get into this later, but I heard it firsthand at the opening on Saturday talking to recruits face to face. And of course, there's stuff that they don't want to say, uh, you know, recorded uh, that they would say to you off air. And there was a yeah. lot of young men. Just concerned about the, you know, uh, the outlook of that coaching staff and, and, and really just kind of what's going on with the coaching staff that's there now, even if you're not, you know, concerned about the seat being hot. So, um, you know, I think that was a tough season for USC last year, to say the least. Um, they're definitely feeling the results of that on the recruiting trail. There's no doubt in my mind. And, and I think that was a big you know, reason with, you know, Chris Deal and Oregon and, and USC and whatnot. I mean, I, I think USC, UCLA had a chance in there, too. You know, I don't know how much Chris is going to want to share about where he was looking, but, you know, I think UCLA had a chance. But again, you're going to go back to what Oregon did on the recruiting trail last year. You're going to go and look at what they did on the field last year. Mm-hmm. The number of incidents, if you will, using quotation fingers here off the field, which was minimal. Uh, you know, all those things aligned with, hey, look, I experienced this at Florida. This is what I'm looking for now. It looks like Oregon fosters all that for me. Yeah, yeah. And and back to earlier, if you are Mario Cristobal mm-hmm. and you're the CEO of Duck Football Inc., right? right you really want to add this kid to your company. Right. You really want to add this talent. You're talking to him on the phone. You're throwing him emails. You're meeting with him. And it might not lead to a job tomorrow. Sure. But maybe you get them 10 months from now. Yeah. And, and Chris Steele, hey, didn't lead to a job at signing day. Right. But you get him in the fold. You get him in Duck Football Inc. right now. Right. It all worked out. Well, yeah. I mean, look at Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, from the beginning there, Oregon was mentioned, but not, you know, I mean, it was USC. It was Bama. It was, I mean, it was these FSU. It was all these other schools. And then, you know, Oregon just kind of hung in there and hung in there. And, and I'll use the analogy, just kept chopping wood, right? Just right. chopping away, chopping away. Next thing, you know, and that's unfortunately, that's what it, if you want the five stars, a lot of times that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the five stars aren't the, for, for a school like Oregon, at least, you're not going to come in and offer at the last minute and swoop them away. It's just not going to happen. You know, you, you are going to have to invest some time and some money and some resources and just keep chopping wood. And sure, for every five star you do sign, there's two or three that you don't get. And that's just the way this works. If you want them on your team, you got to take that damn swing. 
And, and I think, you know, here, you, here we are. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, Oregon was in the mix for DJU. I mean, they chopped. I mean, no, nobody else. It was Clemson and Oregon. So, I mean, you're, you're in the final two with the national champion. You know, I mean, that, that says something. And, and who knows? He hasn't even signed there yet. Who knows? Oh, no. Yeah, no, really? I mean, come on. And like, he's solid committed. Don't get me. I'm not, that's not what this podcast is about. But I'm just saying, who knows in nine months or ten months what yeah, could sources, happen? Sources say DJU yeah. has some roommates. He's trouble. on the fence. Yeah. Or, no. <laughs> no uh, but, I mean, again, that's a per, that's an example of something, you know. I mean, it, it's just – it's an example, um, you know. it's But tremendous work for Oregon. I mean, just tremendous work. So the cat's out of the bag. Chris Steele is coming on the pod today. We're going to speak with him in a couple of moments. Give me your two-sentence, real quick recap of Oakland and the opening. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful day of football. Um, You know, unfortunately, it wasn't as star-studded as as we'd all kind of hoped leading into the event. There were some, uh, you know, from some five stars, four stars that did not show up. But still a good day overall and a great day for football. Uh, and then most importantly, uh, you know, I was able to at least get one beer out of the out of the day. Only one. That's a win. It's a win. Yeah, I wasn't. It was at the airport. I literally uh, it, I went for straight from the event. I went straight from the airport to the event from the event straight back to the airport. I grabbed I got fish and chips at the gastro pub there in the in the terminal with a beer and jumped on the plane full day. What did that charge you? Oh shit! Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was like thirty three dollars or something. Oh my god! Fish chips, one beer. Yeah, oh. it, was, it was. Yeah, no, it it was it was a dinger, and it was a it was a th- uh, twelve or thirteen ounce pour too. It wasn't even a full pour. Oh. Yeah, no, it was a dinger. I know, I knew, I, I knew I was in for that, but I just I didn't have any time. It was like, look, yeah. I I, I got to get a quick bite before I get on the plane because I'm starving. Luckily, they have beer. That was so. I love going to San Francisco. They have Cellar Maker. They have some tremendous breweries down there, all of which I drove by and didn't get to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and you got mugged at the airport bar. Sounds like yeah. a great weekend. Yeah. Uh, Chris Steele, you want let, to let's, uh, let's get this kid on the pod. Let's set that up. All right. I'm so excited for this. Been gearing up for this all day. Chris Steele, new addition to the Oregon football program. I'm so excited, Chris. You're a guy that was highly touted, really strongly targeted. The Ducks wanted you. Now they have you. And I'd love to know just why Oregon? Uh, You know, um, like you mentioned, you know, throughout high school, Oregon was one of the first schools that offered me, you know, Coach Hayward offered me back during my sophomore year, and I just kept a really good relationship with him and Coach Dante. Coach, first of all, you know, they recruited me hard all the way through. Um, I made a decision to go to Florida, and obviously I'm back at Oregon now, you know, and the main reason is just because of my relationship and just the family atmosphere that they have up in Eugene. You know, Coach Christopher is a down-to-earth coach along with Dante. I know he's going to get me ready to play at the next level, so uh, that's really why. So, Chris, uh, you know, obviously your name hit the transfer portal. Who were some of the schools that immediately reached out to you and, and expressed an interest in you coming to play for them? Uh, the first the first school that hit me up was actually uh, – the first person that hit me up was actually Dante, <laughs> and then Clemson, Alabama, and, you know, the rest of the Pac-12 followed, uh, followed through. There was also some other SEC teams like Georgia, LSU, Auburn that also hit me up. And – you know, I obviously, you know, you can, I guess what I want to ask next is uh, you've committed to Oregon. Have you have you signed your paperwork to attend Oregon next? Has that been done? Yeah. Okay, so you're locked and loaded. 
Oh, yeah, I'm ready to get to work. Ready to get to work. Um, so along with all those schools that reached out to you, you know, you committed fairly early after, you know, making the decision to leave Florida. You know, were you originally thinking of taking visits or what was kind of behind you moving along so quickly? Uh, you know, as soon as I hit the portal, I sort of had in my mind, you know, uh, where I needed to be because I, I had a good taste of college already, so I knew exactly what I needed for me as a young man, as a player, you know, as far as my development. So Oregon was sort of a no-brainer from, uh, you know, all aspects of life. So, so um, you've, uh, you've got the – you're signed and everything. I know you're working out and getting ready. When, uh, when should Oregon fans expect you to arrive on campus? Uh, towards the middle of June, I'll be officially moved in. But um, I'm planning to, to head out there on a visit towards the end of this month. Okay, so, and in the meantime, uh, what will you be doing, uh, you know, to get ready to, to head to Oregon? What are some of the things that you're working on? You know, me and, uh, me and Coach Dante had a really long talk over the phone. You know, just, he just let me know what he wants me to work on so when I get up there I can be ready to, uh, you know, contribute, contribute to the team. So I'm just going to be working out and, uh, you know, start studying that playbook just so when I come in we can get ready for game one against Auburn. Uh, Chris, right off the top, you mentioned, and and I know every guy comes in with this dream, but I think you're, you're built and you play in such a way that you can live this dream. You mentioned your NFL aspirations. Kind of detail that for us. Where do you see yourself in four years? Uh, you know, four years from now, I'm hoping to see myself, uh, you know, God willingly, I'm hoping to see myself in the NFL, of course, you know, playing for, you know, whatever team. Uh, you know, whatever team I'm fortunate enough to play for. Uh, I have faith in Coach Dante and the rest of the, the staff up at Oregon. And I have faith in their development, and I know they're going to get me ready. So, you know, that's why I see myself in four years. Uh, you know, Chris, very few young men are, are as athletically gifted as you. I mean, you're, you know, 6'1", 6'2". Uh, are you getting pretty close to 200 pounds? Oh, yeah, I'm 195 right now. That's really close. <laughs> so, you know, obviously, being as, as, as physically mature as you are, and you have the ability to play all over the defensive, uh, you know, backfield. Where does Oregon kind of see you fitting in with what they're doing? You know, they see me playing uh, the boundary corner spot just because, you know, that's sort of where you see a lot of the quick game. That's, that's more where teams put their big, their big receivers at, their red zone targets and everything. So that's where I'll be playing. Do you like playing boundary corner? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Because, you know, I like to – I'm real big on run support just because I think that's what separates me from a lot of dudes. You know, a lot of dudes won't uh, – a lot of defensive backs, they won't come up and tackle, but that's, you know, that's one of my specialties. So I'm excited about playing that position. Right. So, uh, you know, Chris, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, watch you at the opening in Dallas last year and, um, you know, and, and seeing you at other events. But that, you know, that to me is one of the better events because you're – you know, as we say, iron sharpens iron, and you're going against elite dudes every rep. You know, and but one of the things I love about you is you have no qualms about talking smack out there on the field to anybody and everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. You know, I'm a real passionate player. I love the game, so if I'm, uh, you know, when I'm balling out, I'm gonna make sure the opponent knows. And we, you know, as Oregon fans, we've seen that from, you know, from Thomas Graham and Diamandor Lenore as well. So it certainly seems like you guys will, you know, definitely be able to uh, come together and come up with some great um, celebrations for those interceptions, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> 
Now, you know, on the heels of that, mentioning those guys along with Mikel Wright and others, I mean, was that a big part for you in picking Oregon, knowing that, hey, I already know, you know, most of the defensive backfield already, you know, Suava Potty's coming up there. I know you guys are friends. I think you guys are going to be roommates. I mean, was that a big factor for Oregon as well? Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, when I mentioned the family atmosphere earlier, that's what it comes down to, you know. Uh, everybody on the team, even when I, you know, even when I uh, ended up going to Florida, you know, Cyrus was one of the first people that hit me up and just congratulated me on everything. You know, Thomas and all those guys made sure they hit me up. So uh, that, they played a really big factor. And then, you know, you mentioned Thomas and Diamador and Michael, you know, arguably, in my opinion, I think will be the best, uh, the best secondary in the Pac-12 if things get going. So, uh I'm, that that definitely had a big a big role in my decision. I like the angle that you go there asking that question, Justin. Asking about some of the corners that the Ducks have and and guys that Chris might be looking up to. Chris, I'd love to know when you see those other Oregon DBs. Is there somebody in that room that you just can't wait? Hey, I want to pick your brain and and learn how to do what you do. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, it's really all of them. Uh, you know, you got Thomas, who, uh, you know, obviously he, he's, a, he's a technician, you know, especially when I just saw the difference uh, from when Dante got him. When Dante got a hold of him, I saw just a huge leap in his technique. So I'm ready to, you know, see what he does, pick his brain on why he does what he does in certain situations. And, you know, Diamondor, he's a ball hawk. So uh, I'm just ready to get in the same, on, the, on the same team as him and just watch him ball. Yeah, and it, it probably helps that Oregon up their receiving core as well this past cycle, you know, adding Micah Pittman and, and some of the other guys I know you know. Um, are you very good friends with uh, Chris Hudson as well? He's committed to Oregon St. John Bosco. Oh, yeah, Chris Hudson, me and him grew up, me and him grew up competing against each other. You know, we went to the same middle school and everything, so me and him have been rocking with each other for a long time now. Nice. So you guys have a few more years of playing together, which would be great. And, you know, what I want to ask, um, obviously an important one that a lot of Oregon fans want to know. I know you don't know the answer to this, but have you applied for a waiver to be able to play immediately at Oregon, or what's kind of the process there with that for you? Um, So I actually talked to compliance with Oregon already. We're getting my case. uh, We're getting my case ready to go. But just from what I've been hearing, there's a really, really, really good chance that I'm going to be able to play this year. And will they now with you having spent the spring at Florida? Will that year count against you, or or will you just be able to redshirt that that year? Um, I don't think it would. If if I did have to sit out, I think they would allow me to redshirt. I'm not really too sure on that, but okay. You know, things are looking real good right now, so I don't think it'll even get to that. Good. Okay. Good. And uh, in the meantime, just doing some workouts. Are you working out with any of the uh, training groups down there? I know there's a lot of seven-on-seven circuits and other things. I mean, are there some other uh, field things that you're doing to just you know try and stay on top of your game? Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, Coach Jason David over at Stars, him and uh, him and Dante have a real good relationship. So I know they talk and they sort of set up a plan, you know, for what I need to work on. So when I get down there, you know, I, I'm already sort of ahead of the game. I'm already caught up on what Dante's techniques and everything. So I'm working out with him. I'm working out I'm working out with Coach Jason David at Stars. I'm working out with uh, Coach Carmona over at Real Speed in Anaheim, you know, with my strength and conditioning and stuff. And then I have another trainer named Coach Vic over at the DB Lab that I do a few things with as well. Wow, you're nonstop. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, I know one of the big things about Oregon, and I believe that uh, originally when you visited back in the spring last year, was the, in particular, the strength and conditioning program, and in, in particular, Coach Feld. Was that a pretty big part of this, too? Obviously, he's one of the best around. I mean, I, I believe from what I heard, he made a pretty big impression on your dad as well. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and a lot of people don't really understand it, but, you know, especially like in high school, you know, I was I was always kind of just really strong just naturally, <laughs> but I didn't take the weight room seriously. But once I got to college, I realized, you know, you got to love the weight room and you got to be around people who, you know, love the weight room as well. So uh, he definitely had a big, a big impact on me since my visit. You know, he takes it real serious. He's going to push me to my limits every day. And that's the people that I, need, that I want to be around. When do you come to Oregon, Chris? Uh, I will get there June 18th, I believe. June 18th. Is this uh, is this kind of a bittersweet, almost full circle for you? I mean, just with the way everything kind of played out to to end up at Oregon? <laughs> uh, Yeah, I guess you could say that. You know, I, my thing is, you know, God works in mysterious ways and everything happens for a reason. So um, I kind of knew from the jump that, you know, I, I always know I liked Oregon, but I wasn't really sure if it was going to be the best place for me. But then, you know, a lot of things happen, and, you know, I, I, my thing is, if you see a sign, you know, you got to you gotta uh, look into it. And, you know, right. all the signs led me back to Oregon, so. Got to roll with it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, Chris, I, I, I know that I speak for Matt and myself. We really appreciate your time. And, and, and you taking the, the, the time to come on and, and talk with us and, and let Oregon fans hear for themselves, you know, why you made the choice. Uh, I imagine uh, kicking, if we want to end this thing, you want to give the uh, Duck fans a big go Ducks? Oh, yeah. You know, I just want to shout out to all the, uh, the Duck fans all across the country. You know, I can't wait to get out to Eugene and Bar for you guys. Go Ducks. All right. Thank you, Chris. No problem. Appreciate you. I love it. That kid is a gym rat. So, uh, the opening. Yes. I, I asked earlier for the two-sentence abridged version. Now let's dive into this. What was that like? Um, you know, uh, those events are tr- tremendous. I mean, there's uh, there are not many ways for, you know, so many kids to go to one place and get noticed. I mean, we're already seeing a couple of the participants uh, being rewarded. Like Roman Wilson, the three-star wide receiver out of Hawaii, was the fastest man, posted the, the fastest score there. Uh, I want to say, and I'm going off memory, I know Oregon offered uh, just after, I think Tennessee and Michigan were the other two. I mean, just bang, bang, bang. And so, you know, to me, I, I, you know, I love seeing that. I don't care if it's Oregon. I just love seeing a kid that might be from the Bay Area that, you know, is, hasn't gotten the exposure you would expect and, you know, go and, and test well or perform well. And, you know, next thing you know, they're, you know, they're landing big major scholarship offers because that's the goal at the end of the day. But, um, you know, great event. Oregon's uh, newest quarterback commit, uh, Jay Butterfield, was there. Um, you know, he had a good day. He was, he was uh, you know, during warm-up. So, it's, you know, it's broken down when you go to these. They, they have it broken down by position group. So they start with offensive line and defensive line. So you go, very first thing is the O-line, D-line show up, and they just start work, you know, warming up, which is not, ex- I mean, you know, they're just literally warming up their bodies. Uh-huh. You know, so you know, all you're basically doing is looking at a kid and going, man, that kid's got, you know, long legs or, you know, good-looking frame or whatever, but that's it. 
Um, you know, and then they start getting into some one-on-one drills and some other things that, that you can kind of pay a little closer attention to. Um, you know, up next after that's the running backs and linebackers. So that group then moves off the field. They're done for the day. Running backs, linebackers come up once again. You know, they're, they're warming up and then they're doing like cat and mouse drills and some other things that you can kind of see speed and agility. Of course, it's non-contact as far as that goes. So it's not like you're seeing running backs and linebackers colliding. You're not seeing an Oklahoma drill take place out there, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, I guess that's part of, you know, what comes with doing this so long is you kind of know what to expect or what to look for. It's like, OK, look, I'm not going to go see, you know, this linebacker who is known as a crushing hitter go out there and lay some wood on some kid because there's no pads. Right. So I always take that into account. But um, anyway, so by position group. So. Long story short, when the quarterbacks were warming up, they were on another field and we were watching, uh, you know, like uh, running backs and linebackers wrapped up and, and wide receivers, uh, tight ends, DBs were there, uh, you know, all basically doing actual drills that you could watch. So didn't get to watch Jay Bitter- Butterfield a bunch when he was throwing. It was on another field. Uh, then they, they stopped after their warm ups and came to the main field everybody had been on. And, uh, you know, they were they had wide receivers, DBs out wide, so they were doing one-on-ones and stuff. He only took a few reps. Um, you know, I don't know if he, you know, might have had a, a, a sore arm or I don't really know what um, what stopped him. But, you know, other quarterbacks were, you know, kept taking five, six, seven reps, and he only took the one or two or three that, that, that were there in that particular part. So I'm not going to sit here and say he had a poor day, and I'm not going to sit here and say he was all worldly because I just don't think that's fair based on what we saw. Oregon clearly likes him. He's got the stature, um, you know, great-looking kid. If you just go and look at him, um, uh, you know, great to talk to. Seemed really bright. I mean, just seemed, you know, very, very pensive. Good, uh, good young man in all those areas. I would have liked to see him throw more. It, it didn't happen, and that's okay. I'm not too worried about it. But uh, uh, let's see. There, there was a, uh, you know, I think the uh, the offensive line, defensive line group was okay. It wasn't an especially strong group. Um, you know, Jamar Sakona's down there. He's a defensive lineman. Oregon's targeting. He had a decent day. Uh, Van Fillinger was down there, uh, a defensive lineman. Oregon, more of a defensive end. Oregon's targeting. Um, he had an okay day, a little bit of a rougher day, but sometimes that just happens. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes kids you know, don't get their sleep or they're just yeah. not 100%. Or it's, You never know. It's just like a day of practice, basically. Exactly. You're scrimmaging with a bunch of guys. Right. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and come home and write, oh, you know, this player sucks. They had three bad reps. It's like, I mean, come on, seriously, you know. (laughs) Sure, maybe they didn't have the best day, but that just was that day. You know, Mm -hmm. you go back and flip on film, and if you see something different, then you can usually uh, make your own conclusions. But, yeah, um, you know, Sam Adams was there, uh, Kendall Milton, a couple four-star, five-star running backs. You know, the Ducks have have offered both and are recruiting both. Um, I mean, just... Jerry Rice showed up for a little bit. Just he got he got like three or four pictures in, and then he scooted off to the side. <laughs> I know he knows how to handle that, but his son Brendan Rice was there, so that's why Jerry nice. showed up. His son Brendan is a receiver. Um, you know, I want to say he's like six three two fifteen ish or so. A great build. I mean, just a solid looking young man. Um, Does he have his work ethic? Uh, you know, he was, uh, and I use this term workout warrior. So there's some kids that show up and are, and are, and are highly ranked or have all the offers or whatever. And they, they do two or three reps and then you never see them again. Right. And then there's some kids that are a workout warrior, like just keep going, you know, always pushing to the front. I mean, like basically cutting in line, 
but I'm okay with it in this particular instance. And and Brendan Rice is one of those. He kept trying to get to the front of the line. He took as many reps as he could. He he didn't care about which DB was in front of him or which quarterback, you know, was thrown to him. He kept so I, I really have a lot of respect for him and there was a you know, there was a lot of kids that did that, but I like that. When you're out there on the fields, Justin What's your biggest takeaway? Is it the stuff you see in the scrimmage or maybe it's getting a chance to talk to these kids afterwards? Like, what do you put the most weight on? Um, You know, definitely, uh, I guess it depends. Here's how I'll answer that. It depends on if you're looking for, uh, from a recruiting standpoint or from, you know, an ability standpoint. So obviously on the field, watching them work, I I like seeing the better players constantly going against the better players you know sometimes some of these guys will i mean you you could see you could tell how many deep the next guy is and you'll work your way into the line and you know so i'm always watching that like who's competing who's moving to the front of the line you know who who doesn't give a shit about who's lining up across from them you know and you know the one person i'll point out to there is g scott the ohio state commit out of washington he didn't give a shit who it was. He, <laughs> uh, he just abused everybody. And so, you know, I'm looking, okay, who is that alpha male? Who is that guy that doesn't back down? Right. Um, you know, I, I definitely pay a lot of attention to that. I, I, I do get frustrated when I see some young men, um, you know, uh, show up and, 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 get a, and give a couple reps and that's it. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure that he was, you know, and I don't want to say this wrong, I'm sure he was um, – he was probably honestly injured, but I mean, you know, Kendall Milton showed up, did the warm ups, did the testing. Then when it got to one on ones, took like two reps and was and was hurt and was off on the side working his. I think it was maybe like his hamstring or something. And that was it. That was all we saw of him from the day. Couple reps, and then that was it. And that's uh-huh. fine. Still got invited to the opening. So was he the best performer there? Not even close. I mean, he took a fraction of the reps. You know. So, you know, some, some of that stuff kind of bothers me when you see a little bit of the political side come out, which is, and I get it. The opening is a business, you know, the way they grow their business is getting the best players in the opening finals in the game. It doesn't make sense for them to have a bunch of two stars instead of all the five stars coming to the event. I get it. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the, the part about being objective as, as media is going and noticing that and saying, okay, look, you know, I get why you invited him and I get that he only took two reps and that's fine. But look at this kid over here who's working his ass off. And has two offers. You know, that's the kid we need to write about and help get noticed. But mm-hmm. in terms of the recruiting side, when those young men, what I look for there, when those young men are, are either participating, I look for who they're constantly hanging around. You know, are they constantly talking to the same player? Who's that, you know, is that player committed somewhere? You know, for instance, where, you know, Jay Butterfield and Chris Hudson, who are two Oregon commits, who, you know, who are they spending their time talking to? Who are they making sure they're around the whole day? You mm-hmm. know I mean? Because that stuff pays off. And then, when those kids walk off the on the walk off of the field, you see who their real friends are. I mean, if they walk off together with this guy, they leave together. It's kind of like, oh, those two guys, you know, are, are close. They're tight. That's definitely going to be a factor in his recruitment. You know, so you know, those are just some of the things. You mentioned Jay Butterfield. Yeah, let's let's step out of the opening for a minute because I haven't got a chance to ask you about him since that's true. He joined Oregon. Yeah, earlier we were picking on Clay Helton. If I remember correctly, Butterfield could have been a USC guy. Sure, they lose another one. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's another huge addition for the Ducks. It is. Yeah, I mean, you know, technically Butterfield did have a a, a USC offer. You know, they've obviously got Bryce Young committed currently. So I mean, I think that that ruled them out when Bryce Young committed. But um, 
I mean, you know, the kid had some big offers and, you know, one of the ones that actually a lot of people probably aren't giving him credit for is Washington State. And and right now, if Mike Leach wants you, that kind of tells me something. I mean, Coach Leach is he up knows there. quarterbacks. Yeah, he knows quarterbacks. He's he's up there winning with with far lesser guys and, and making a big impact. Um, you know, so that's one I know Washington State was was one of the serious schools, you know, towards the end of his recruitment there, you know, ASU, others uh, as well. But um you know, the, the kid's got great size, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, he's de- he's got long arms. Um, he definitely is a more polished passer than uh, than Millen. And so that's going to be the difference from last year to this year in quarterback recruiting. Uh, I, he's not nearly as athletic as Millen. You know, uh, he, can, he can run and move around. But, um, you know, Butterfield's going to be a little bit more of your, and I don't want to say this, but more of a traditional style pocket passer. Although he has mobility to escape the pocket and and change the launch point and do these other things, so big arm doesn't doesn't uh, you know doesn't struggle throwing the ball. He's got a pretty pretty strong release. You know all those things that you're kind of looking for. Like okay, well this young man could come in, and for all intents and purposes, will probably be a little farther along than Millen is. You know at the at the same equal time, but um, you know it doesn't mean that his upside's any better or any worse. That's a whole different category. So. Um, liked what I saw and, you know, I get the sense from talking to Jay and to, you know, people that know him, he's not going to be the big raw, raw recruiting guy on Twitter. You know, he's not going to be the big class leader. I think, you know, I think it's great that Oregon has a, a quarterback committed, but he's not going to be out there on Twitter. Hey, you know, come join the flock so-and-so or whatever. That's just not going to, it's just not him. Uh-huh. Um, much more like Justin Herbert in that regard, you know, much uh, a, a, a very, a, a good thinker, bright young man, but going to keep to himself a little bit more than, um, you know, some of the other guys that you see out there on Twitter. But I mean, obviously Marcus Arroyo and Mario Cristobal like him. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think of another Marcus that kind of fit that bill as well. Of, yeah. of if there's one program that understands we don't need every player to be rah rah fired up guy. Right. It's got to be the Ducks. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're 100% right. And, uh, you know, I've always said this and I say it back to, you know, the Mariota days. You can lead by example. I mean, players will follow you if you are quietly doing what you're supposed to do if they quietly see you being the last guy in the weight room if they you know last guy off the practice field they'll they'll follow you if they if you're leading by example yeah so long term here you got herbert this year yeah shuck next year yeah he's battling with millen for the job two years from now right you butterfield you mean yeah 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 i mean the thing to me is i i think oregon sees this too you need you need some presence of depth there at quarterback. And so this is no slight to Millen. He's young. He's got a long ways to go. He's been on campus just a few short months. But, you know, Justin Herbert's leaving. We know that. That's not, you know, hyperbole. We know he's going to take off and go to the NFL. You can't just have Tyler Shuck and then two, basically, freshmen behind him. You know, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. So, you know, we know about Colson Yankoff being in the transfer portal. There's a lot of other quarterbacks you know, there could be a, a junior college quarterback that emerges. I think Oregon will attack someone else, maybe for depth purposes, that has a little bit more experience. And it doesn't mean that that person is there to replace Tyler Shuck. But if there's nobody to push him, I mean, you know, it just it, it doesn't do him any favors. So you've got to bring in that guy and hope that he helps, you know, push Tyler Shuck enough. And possibly, who knows, you know, has a has a viable job you know, starting for Oregon. So a quarterback is a really important 
as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, you're recruiting, you know, two years out, you know, not just a year out. So, yeah, we're looking at, oh, Oregon's got Justin Herbert and Tyler Shuck. They're good. Yeah, they're good for this year. But in two years when Herbert's gone, you know, a little dicier. Yeah. Covering themselves for the future, getting ready. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, I think this pod's gone pretty well so far yeah no we're rocking and rolling i you know it's glad we i'm glad we got back into this and uh you know had a little bit to talk about with the opening um and uh yeah had christy on i mean what a nice nice way to come back from the break yeah 